Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello there. How you doing? My name is Leticia Latino and I'm the host of Back to Basics podcast. Uh, thank you for joining. My guest today is Liam Naden. He's a speaker, teacher, writer, and researcher. He helps people understand the process for creating true success in life by understanding how to use our brains the right way, overcoming our problems, achieving our goals, and ending frustrations. He's also the host of the podcast Using Your Brain for Success and creator of Neurostate Rebalancing. I guess we're going to find out what that is. And uh, he's, last but not least, an experienced marriage and relationship coach and host of the Growing in Love for Life podcast, author of more than 20 books and creator of four relationship coaching programs. Wow, Liam, I could keep reading and reading about all the amazing things you've achieved. Hello. Hi, Leticia. Thank you for having me on your show. It's a great honor. I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. Well, uh, I mean, just by reading uh, your expertise and things uh, you have done in your life, I, I'm sure this is going to be a fantastic conversation. Uh, so, Liam, I always like to, and, and I'm going to give the audience a little bit of the backdrop because I already kind of chit-chatted with you. I know you're originally from New Zealand, so I hope you tell us a little bit of the upbringing there. And then you're on a boat right now sailing the world. So you 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 definitely <laughs> live a, what in my view is a back to basics life. So, so would you share with us about your early years where you grew up and what were you passionate about in those years? Sure. Well, I was, yeah, I was, I'm originally from New Zealand, from Auckland, New Zealand. So I was uh, brought up there and um, I'm the eldest of eight children. I came from a very religious family, a very Catholic family, if you like. Mm -hmm. Your Italian roots, I'm sure you can relate to that. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and really my early life, my I've had lots of different passions in my life, actually, but for my younger and teenage years, I was very passionate about music. Mm -hmm. And in fact, I uh, went on to university and studied music. In fact, I did a master's degree in Italian music. In oh, wow. 17th century Italian music, actually. I wrote a, uh, a thesis on a, on a Roman composer called Agostino Agazzari, and I'm still mm. one of the few people in the world who knows anything about <laughs> About them, but, uh, <laughs> but that was my passion. But one thing I, I, I would like to say about myself, which I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to, is that I, I was always very interested in trying to figure out how I could be the best person that I could be. And um, how could I be successful? How could I achieve more and have get more out of life? And I remember it was quite relevant to my childhood because what I was told by my parents and my teachers and the priests in the church was that the, the, the way to be successful, the way to be happy, all you need to do is ask God for what you want. So pray and God will give it to you. Mm -hmm. You know, I can only have been probably nine or 10 years of age. And I remember I did something which I probably didn't really put it in so many words, but I thought I'm going to test God on this one, that he'll give you anything that you ask for. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember going to early morning mass. I think it was seven o'clock in the morning. It might have been earlier. It might have been six thirty. Mm-hmm. Every morning for a month in the middle of the winter, asking God for one specific thing because I thought I'm going to try this out. I'm going to see now if I ask for something every day for a month. Surely you know that's pretty. That's pretty persistent. Consistent. Surely I'm yes. going to get that. And I can't remember what it was. It was like to win a competition at school or something. You know that seemed important at the time. And of course, I didn't get it, but it was the first clue I really had about a lot of the things we've been told about how to be successful and, and how to create success in our life. It's not really the full story. It's not really the, the full picture, because if it was, then a lot more people would be happy. A lot more people would be successful. And I remember looking at my parents and my teachers and the people in the church and thinking, you know, these people aren't that happy. These people all have problems. They've all got stress. They're not really to me, didn't seem like they're getting the most out of their life. So maybe what they're telling me about what to do to be happy, maybe there's something more to it. And Mm. really from that time on, I went and explored a whole lot of different areas to try and answer this question. Who are we and how can we be really happy and successful in our life rather than struggle with problems and stress? And and really that's that's been the, the pattern throughout my life, if you like. Wow, that's I love that you share that story. It's very powerful, especially coming from, you know, a religious person. I take I'm I'm a very religious person and I'm like you sometimes, you know, in Spanish we have a saying that says, Help yourself ayúdate que Dios te ayudará. Help yourself that God will help you. I don't know if there's a similar saying in, in English, but it's it's pretty much saying, Yeah, you ha- you can't pray, but you have to do something, not only praying, right? So it's do the same well, as actually- the what I subsequently learned was that the Bible is actually the greatest or, or one of the greatest instruction manuals on how to use your brain the right way that we've been given. Hmm. We've never really interpreted or understood that that's the message that we've been given in the Bible. So more recently, you mentioned the introduction. I, I'm, I'm really focused on how the brain creates what we get in our life. And, and as I say, it religion teaches a lot of it. It tells us exactly what to do, but we've never been explained in the right way what it really means. Mm, I'm curious now. Can you? And we are <laughs> jumping. It's not that, but I knew this was not going to be the traditional uh, flow of the interview just because every time I interview somebody with your profile and somebody that shares that so early and on, you were like, hmm, let me test here, you know, like if this is true. And also somebody that pursued your passion. Uh, that's why I always use the question, like, what were you passionate about? And and I would say confidently, probably 85% of my guests, of the guests, like I think is representative, didn't pursue what they were passionate about. Of course, we don't all go and say, I like music, I'm going to study music. You know, it's almost counterintuitive, but you did it. So that right there is somebody that, in my opinion, is already following that inner instinct, that inner voice of of, you know, what to pursue. And I guess at some point, the music, you know, you change direction uh, from music. Yes, I gave up music for wine. Oh, well, that's uh, (laughs) (laughs) another Italian passion. Okay, so you you became a winemaker? I had my own wine business, um, selling wine and teaching about wine and writing about it. And and really, I was so passionate about wine and uh, I became one of the most successful wine cellars in New Zealand, actually, and, 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 and sold a lot of Italian wine and, and French oh. wine and oh European wine. God. So 
Okay, now I want to swap your life. <laughs> you sound like you're on a boat, you love wine, you're a winemaker, that, that's fantastic. So, and, and, and I'm sure that that changed because these are two things that from music to wine, I, and you're a coach, so I'm sure you have a great way to put in this, but what has to trigger in the personal journey that we say, let me just take the leap of faith and go for it. Like there's people that quit their jobs and go and pursue what they're really passionate about. And of course, we have a lot of people around us saying, you're crazy, you cannot leave this or you cannot do that. How do how do you think we encourage people? And of course, I'm not saying leave your job and go crazy and go do something, you know, so out of the blue. But there's a lot of people that live with that internal, you know, curiosity of maybe pursuing something else. Well, I think the key to it, there's a, there's a short answer and a long answer. The short answer is the only thing that's holding you back is fear. Mm-hmm. But the long answer is you are designed to be successful because, you know, one thing that happened to me, yes, I went from music to wine and doing all my passions and I was very successful outwardly in a lot of the things I was doing, but I was also studying success in, in all of its different forms. And I'd go to, you know, the, the self-help, personal development, self-improvement field I've been to I went to seminars all around the world. I read all sorts of books. I did courses and programs and listened to tapes and you know things about goal setting and motivation and changing your beliefs and changing your subconscious mind and all of these different things. And I really took on that with a passion as well because I I kept thinking here's somebody this person who's who's got a new idea. Perhaps that's the answer. Perhaps that will finally provide me with what I'm looking for, which is to feel successful. Because even though I had success, you know, I was I had my own businesses and I had, you know, lots of freedom on one level, but I always had problems and stress in my life. And I thought that's not real success. It didn't feel like real success to me. Having all this stuff and having moments of, you know, enjoyment, but but dreading waking up in the morning and opening my my email. Mm-hmm. Or, and going to bed at night worried about the problems I had the next day. So it didn't really feel like success to me. But something really interesting happened to me in my mid-40s. And that's, that was I went from all this outward success and being a multimillionaire and having multiple businesses, multiple homes, and I lost everything. And mm-hmm. I literally became homeless. And I had to move back in with my elderly mother and sleep on the sofa in, in the living room in her apartment. Mm. You know, and she was in her 70s. So she had to go out to work every day to, to pay for my food. That's oh, how bad it God. was. Mm. So I literally lost everything. And the most puzzling, and it was through a combination of circumstances, bad decisions. But whatever it was, I remember thinking, why has this happened to me? How could this have happened? Because I've studied success all my life. I've learned how to set goals and be motivated and have the right thoughts and pray and do all of these things. But I'm here. I am with nothing, and I and not only did I have nothing, I had no clue on what to do to get out of it because mm. I'd lost all my friends, all my income, and and I'd moved to a town I hadn't been to for quite a long time. So, the the really interesting thing, and this is answering your question the long and in the long way, mm. is what stops or what's the difference between some people who live a really happy, successful, enjoyable life, and other people who whose lives are full of stress and fear. And the reality is I've been both because what happened after I went through that experience of losing everything, as I came out of it the other side and put my life back together, 
I noticed that things were going completely differently for me in many significant ways. Because before I'd been struggling and pushing and always striving for more and setting my goals and, you know, really chasing success, if you like. Mm-hmm. But, but what happened to me afterwards was I started to create new businesses. I started to meet new people. I started to do new things like go sailing. Mm-hmm. And things were happening a lot more easily for me. It was like success was coming to me. Rather than me having to try and force things to happen, it was, it was like success was coming to me. Really good people were showing up in my life. I was getting good opportunities to do businesses that I enjoyed. And the really great thing was, I remember saying to myself, where's all the problems and stress? I don't feel stressed. I don't have any problems. I get up in the morning excited, looking forward to the day. I go to bed at night, really grateful for for the day I'd had and excited about the next day. And I didn't really have stress and problems. And obviously, I had work to do. I worked hard. And, you know, I still do. This is this is carried on, as if you like. But I wanted to figure out what was the difference. What was I doing this time around that I wasn't doing before that was actually working? Because I wanted to make sure I kept on doing it. And what it really led me to discover was that really what your question was, what is the difference? Why do some people manage to live their passion and really you know, everything sort of falls into place. We, we see those people who seem to be really successful, not only on the outside, but they're doing what they love. And they have, I wouldn't really call them problems, things to deal with that everything sort of slots into place and they have a really positive outlook on life. But they're in the minority, aren't they? The majority of people aren't like that. The majority of people are stuck and they're frustrated and they're stressed and they're feeling overwhelmed by their problems and they're feeling powerless to do anything about it and just wishing their life was different and that they were feeling in control of it. So that's what the difference is not actually in what you do, it's the way you do it. And the way you do it comes down to using a machine that we've all been given that has been designed to ensure that we are successful. And that machine is our brain. Because here's the thing, you know, this is why I love the title of your show, Back to Basics. Because coming back to basics, who are we? Well, on one level, we're biological. We're a biological being. We're part of a biological species. And we live in a biological world filled with other species. So life operates according to some set parameters, if you like, in a natural way. And we, we operate in a natural way because we're part of that. But here's the thing. Most of nature thrives. Human beings are the only ones that struggle, really. You know, nature is 98% successful. If you look in nature, most living things are successful. There's a little, there's only a small amount of nature that, you know, the wrong, the tree gets planted in the wrong place or whatever. Mm -hmm. But humans, we're the other way around. We're 98% of failure. So what's the difference? And the difference is we've all been given a machine. All of nature has been given a machine with one purpose, and that purpose is to make that organism the best that it can be so that it has the greatest chance for survival. Every living thing has the purpose and is wired to try to survive and to be the best that it can be to give it the greatest chance of survival. And we've been given that as well, our brain. Our brain is a machine, a tool, a mechanism whose sole purpose is to ensure or try to ensure that we have the greatest chance for survival. And for us, it also means being our happiest. It means following our passion. It means doing things that we love. 
Because that, when we're our, at our best biologically, when we're feeling happiest, that gives us the greatest chance for survival. So the only difference between people who are really successful, the 2%, and the 98% of people who are struggling is the 2% have somehow learned, probably by accident, how to use this machine the right way. The machine that is designed to make sure we live a life like that. If you think about any machine, think of a car. You know, what's a car? It's a machine that's designed with a very specific purpose, which to do one thing, to take you from where you are to where you want to go. And you know it's going to do that because predictably, easily, efficiently, and it's going to give you an enjoyable ride. That's what it's designed to do. And if it didn't do, do that, you think, well, there's something wrong. So it's the same with our brain. Our brain is designed to give, to make sure we're the best that we can be, our happiest, our most resourceful, our strongest, our healthiest, all of those things. That's its job. And if it's not doing that, if we're not getting the results that we should be, if we've got problems, if we've got stress, we're just using that machine the wrong way. And I, and I mentioned before about the Bible, it tells us how to use the machine the right, the right way, but most people aren't doing it. So what I realized my before and after was I'd, I'd somehow started using my brain machine the right way. And that's why I was getting such better results. So that's the answer to your question in a long way is why do most people struggle? It's because we're not using this natural biological machine the right way. That's mm. it. Mm. No, I, I love everything you say. Make total sense. And I imagine like you, you explain it in a more like tangible way that when you hear mindfulness, for example, or centering practices, at the end mm. of the day, all you're doing is training your brain that every time it wants to go and think about something that may or may not happen, you train it to stay in the present moment and, uh, you know, and, and try not to suffer <coughs> for something that maybe hasn't happened yet. And so based on that, I assume you developed this method you, that you call neurostate rebalancing out of this experience? Yes, that's right. How, and, and really, it's based on how the brain works, how it's designed to work. And, uh, and, and you share somewhere I read in uh, doing research for the interview that there's four areas of the brain. I'm, I'm very curious. I'm sure that uh, my audience will be too, because uh, I never touch upon these. I've had neuroscientists and other people that explain a little bit more different, but I, I love where this is going. So if, if you share a little bit more about your method and how we can rebalance how we use our brain. Sure. Well, well, really simply, it comes down firstly to understanding how the brain machine works. Because it's a bit like a car, that if you know how it works and you know how to use it, you don't need to know a lot of technical stuff. You don't need to know the name of every wire and what every wire does. You just need to know a few simple things and then you operate it the right way. But you can't operate it the right way unless you've actually learned how to, how to drive it, as it were. So essentially, the model um, that I teach about how the brain works, which is all based on science, but I can explain it quickly and in a simple way. And that leads into people will understand, I'm sure, what they're doing wrong and how to do it right. And it also ties in with this process I have called neurostate rebalancing. But essentially, without getting too technical, without all using all the scientific terms, although this, this is all based on science, science verifies this is how the brain works. But we have four parts to our brain. The first part is what I call the thinking brain. And the thinking brain, what that does is it takes all of the information that's coming at you in every second of your life through your five senses, so everything you hear, smell, taste, touch, and see, and all of your thoughts and your ideas, 
all of this comes into the thinking brain and is stored there. So your thinking brain is literally a database or a library of all of the information that you've picked up in your life. That's all it is. Very important, but that's, that's its function. Okay, so the second part of the brain is the emotional brain, the feeling brain. And this part of your brain, which is actually located just physically just below, because maybe these are all physical places and functions. This isn't just a, a theory. These are, this is biological we're talking about. So your thinking, or sorry, your feeling brain, your emotional brain is what creates your feelings, your emotions. It determines how you feel, whether you feel good, or whether you feel bad or whatever emotion it is. This is all handled by your emotional brain. Now, the third part of your brain is what I call the survival brain. And the survival brain, which is at the back of your head, the function of this part of your brain is to manage everything to do with your moment-by-moment survival. So that, of course, covers all of your physical organs and, and, and how they function, your breathing, your heart rate. You know, you don't think about any of these things. They just happen, but they're managed by this part of your brain so that you survive, so that you, you know, you're still here, as it were. But there's one other very important part of your survival brain, or part of your survival, I should say, that's managed by your survival brain. And that's to do with when you're living your life, very occasionally, and in modern life, it is very occasionally, you might be presented with an unexpected threat. Something might come into your environment that could harm you or even kill you. So, for instance, we talk about the well-known example of, say, in prehistoric times, walking through the forest and the lion jumps out from behind a rock. So what the survival brain does then, or what the brain does, is it recognizes that is an immediate threat to your survival, and that needs to be dealt with. So the emotional brain sends the signal in the form of fear. Remember, it's, it's to do with how you feel. And when you feel fear, which includes stress, worry, anxiety, which are all forms of fear, when you feel fear, what happens is your survival brain activates something called your sympathetic nervous system, and it kicks in this reaction response, if you like. We often call it the fight, flight, freeze mm -hmm. response to get you to deal with that immediate threat. So you might shout if the lion's about to attack you, you shout out for help, or you run away, or you stand and fight. But whatever it is, it's a reaction to an immediate threat. And this part of your brain just kicks in and gets you to do whatever you need to do without thinking, just automatically get rid of that threat. So that's, that's all, this is all managed by the survival brain. And obviously, that's a really important part of your survival is dealing with something that could harm you or even kill you in the moment. But the fourth part of the brain, and this is in many ways the most important because this is the one that's supposed to run the show. It's designed to run your life. And it's what I call the creative brain. And science has more recently discovered that, that this is physically located in your head. This is a separate function. It's nothing to do with your thinking, feeling, or survival. It's to do with managing your life. So this is where your creativity comes from. It's where your imagination comes from. It's where you get those gut feelings about something, those aha moments, if you like, those inspirational ideas. You know, musicians or composers, we are talking about music earlier, but composers, you know, they say, I heard the music and I wrote it down. Artists see the picture and they paint it. You know, writers just write the words. They don't, and they also don't know where it came from. It didn't come from their thinking brain. It came from somewhere else. And this is their creative brain. So this is the creative brain, which really has all this power to shape your life. 
Because the other thing your creative brain gives you is much greater awareness of who you are and what you're doing and what you're supposed to be doing. So when you're using your creative brain, you make much better decisions. You can see what to do. You can, you come up with new ideas. And this is where you follow your passion as well. And also the other thing the creative brain does, remember, this is an enormously powerful machine we're talking about the brain. And its job is to manage your life to make sure that you have the best experience you can so that you have the greatest chance of your survival. So it also, in a very real sense, has the ability to manage your environment. So it things we call chance, luck, coincidence, synchronicity, these are there's no such thing as chance or luck in, in the natural world. It couldn't exist if there was. This is all managed by our creative brain. So the way you're supposed to live this is what the Bible teaches as well. The way you're supposed to live is you're supposed to live using your creative brain all of the time because you're supposed to be feeling good, feeling happy, grateful, loving, which is all what you do when you're in, your, in this creative state, coming up with great ideas, making the right decisions, not making the wrong decisions, finding the right people, allowing the right people to find you, seeing what you should be doing, not being afraid, and just having your life flow in so that you are the best that you can be, biologically and also mentally and emotionally. You're feeling great. That's the way you're supposed to live. That's the way you're designed to live biologically. That's the way all of nature lives, is in this creative state. But there's only one time you're not supposed to live like that, and that's when the lion jumps out at you from behind the tree or the rock. Because obviously you're presented with an immediate threat or danger that you have to deal with. And what your brain actually does, when it, when the lion jumps out at you, as I said earlier, it activates through fear this, this brain state which makes sure that you react to the, to the danger. But what actually happens in that state is your brain takes all of the resources from every other part of your brain and your body to deal with that threat because you might need all of that power and that energy to get rid of that danger or that threat. So it takes all the energy that is otherwise used by the creative brain. So what's it doing? It's shutting down your creative brain. Your fear response puts you in a state that shuts down your creative brain because your creative brain, all that energy, is, as I said, is needed to, to get rid of that threat. And also your creative brain isn't helpful to you when you're faced with an immediate threat. It's no good being creative, imaginative, feeling good, coming up with great ideas when a lion's about to eat you. That could be harmful. So the brain is designed to block all that off. But here's the thing. It's perfect when the lion's about to eat you. But most people are living in a fearful state most of the time. And what is happening when you're in a fearful state is your brain is saying, you might not, but on a subconscious level, your brain is saying there's an immediate threat to your survival. You need to feel afraid. And you need to go into this very narrow, focused, reactive mode. You need to shut off all of your creativity, shut off all your problem-solving resources, shut off all your ability to see who you are and, your, and the, the big picture of, of your life, shut off all the opportunities that, that, are, that are there for you to live your passion and be your, be your best self because they're not helpful when, because your brain is saying you've got an immediate threat somehow to deal with. So this is the problem. This is why people are using their brain the wrong way. They're using their brain in a way which says, that their whole life is a danger to their survival. That's what their brain is telling them, and that's why they feel stressed. 
but you can't deal with your problems. You can't create your ideal life when you're in this state because that's not what it's designed to do. It's designed to get rid of the lion. It's designed to get you to jump out of the way of a threat or fight back or react. It's not designed to make you create your life. So mm-hmm. this is how, this is how, what I realized and what I've discovered, how the brain works. So the, the answer is obvious. And the answer is obvious on how to create your ideal life and how to live in this natural creative state and allow your brain to bring you the passionate, exciting life you're designed to live. The Bible tells us how to do that. It says 360 times how to do that. What is that? Be not afraid. Have no fear. Have faith. Trust. Believe. Now, why is it saying that? It's not saying, look, might be a good idea not to be so fearful. Try not to be as afraid. Uh, try not to worry. You know, just, just try it a little bit. It's saying, be not afraid. Because when you are afraid, you're not living your natural life. Your, your brain is shutting off your creative state. That, that's why it's the enemy. That's why the Bible says, don't be afraid. Be not anxious about tomorrow. Let tomorrow take care of itself. Do not worry that you won't have the things you need, that, that you'll be clothed and you'll have the food and, and drink that you need. The Bible says all of that. And this is an instruction. That's the way you're supposed to live. Mm. You've, got to, you've got to realize that fear is the enemy. So neurostate rebalancing, what that, that's about, this is, is a process which I've developed to teach your brain the difference between something that's a real threat to your survival and something that isn't, but that it thinks is. So, for example, when you turn on the television and you see that the economy is going downhill and you feel or that there's a war going on or that there's some sort of disease that's been somebody's talking about or that, you know, and you're feeling stressed and worried or you're having a conversation with somebody about something in your business or your personal life and it's making you feel stressed and worried. What's actually happening is your brain is making a connection between that and your survival. And it's saying that I have interpreted that as a threat to your survival. And that's what makes you feel bad. That's what makes you feel stressed. And that's what puts you in the state where you can never deal with that situation. So you've got to make fear the enemy. And what neurostate rebalancing does is it, is it teach, reteaches your brain that what's on the television or what someone's saying to you or is not a threat to your survival. Sure, a lion jumping out at you is. I mean, you don't want to lose that fear, but it's it, it's really separating those out because this is what happened to me. You know, I, I found that I'd separated out my imaginary fears and realized that there were nothing to be afraid of. And then I could just let go and allow this, because letting go is part of it, because your creative brain, remember, this isn't your thinking brain. And this is the problem that most people are facing as well. They're trying to work their life out trying to figure out how to live their life using their thinking brain. But their thinking brain is just the library of their past experience. It doesn't have the answer to what you should be doing and how you should be doing it and how you could be doing it. That's all in your creative brain. So mm-hmm. it's all around the wrong way. you know. And um, the exciting thing is when you realize that this is how your brain works, you can go to work and say, all I really need to do is I need to get rid of fear out of my life. Anything that's making me feel bad when it makes me feel bad, I'm finished because mm-hmm. I'm locking my brain into this very narrow, limited space that's not designed to, I'm not designed to live my life from that place. It, that's not its job. Mm. That's, that's a very powerful 
No, but it's a very powerful. I'm like here just taking it all in because it's uh, very powerful. And I have to say, you're right. The Bible does say that all those instructions around fear many times. And uh, I had never noticed. And But also, I, I think that the, the sad part is, I think, as uh, our humanity, we have designed the structure of how we live, precisely, as you say, in the wrong way, because from the very early on, we, what we learn, oh, uh, get good grades because you're not going to get to, you know, the special class or do this because it's all fear infused. And we are, you know, from the very young age or dress, you know, if you're a girl, dress properly, but you dress good because you're not going to attract the attention of the boy you like or all these things. And so it's even at, on the jobs is I cannot speak up my mind because I'm going to get fired. And so the whole system is almost desire, designed not to work on your from your creative brain at all because people are afraid oh, that if you tap into that then you might have a negative <laughs> negative result from it so and maybe that's well, why the two percent that you mentioned <laughs> is the one that's living from that state well the main reason for that is no one's taught us how our brain works we don't yeah. realize that it's designed to give us this perfect life that's what it's it does that for the rest of nature nature doesn't worry about it and it creates a perfect life, and it has the power to do that for us. But no one's ever taught us that, so we've never developed this ability to trust. Same with a car. We've been taught how to drive a car, but we and we don't get in and drive a car and get out every one every two seconds to make sure it's still working. We just trust that it's going to do its job because we know how it works. But we've never been taught this about who we really are and how we really operate, and that this is the way you're supposed to live. And there's another reason why we haven't been taught this, and that's because when you're in a fearful state, you're very amenable. This, this particular one of the, the, there's lots of other characteristics, both of being in your creative state and in your, your fear-based state, which I call your thrive state or your survive state. You're either, you're, you don't survive and thrive, you survive or thrive. So, but one of the things about being in this survive state, this fear-based state, is it makes you much more open to to listen to other people to give you instruction on what to do, and it, which is a very important point. And the second thing is it makes you much more willing to do, do what other people tell you to do, which includes buying their products, voting for them in an, in an election, or following them in a, in, in a religion or a sect or whatever. That's the way your brain works, because in the survival state, you have very limited awareness, and your brain is looking for for direction on what to do. And someone comes along and appears to be an expert and you believe them. And they say, do this and you'll be happy. And you do it. So this has created a whole, um, if you like, society where we don't know who we are. We don't know how we operate. And we don't understand why we have to compare ourselves to others and do all these and do the things that we're told that don't make any sense when we've got a, an unlimited part of ourselves, it's going to give us the perfect life if we know how to follow it, if we just just use it that way. And if I could just make one little quick point about fear as well, mm -hmm. because people say, oh, well, it's all very well for you, you know, I, but I have to live in the real world. I have to deal with negative people and I have to watch, have, you have to stay informed about what's going on in the world. Now, none of that's actually true. You might think it is, and your fear is telling you that, yes, you have to deal with those people, 
when you understand how your brain works and you understand what fear does and how it's blocking you from being the best that you can be and blocking your brain from from doing its job to ensure that, then just imagine if someone came along to you and said, here's a glass of hydrochloric acid, drink it. Would you drink it? Mm, You'd no. say, no. What if they said, well, I'll give you $10 million and look, you might think it's bad for you, but if, but if you believe and, you know, everyone else is drinking it yeah. and um, if you just, tr you know, believe and if you're really um, motivated and determined, you'll be fine. You would say, look, I'm sorry. It doesn't matter how much you give me or what you say. I know that if I drink that, it's going to damage me. It's just not going to do me any good. It's not what I'm designed to do. So it doesn't matter the justification. You're not going to drink the hydrochloric acid. But if, so if you really understood our brain, you understood what fear does, which is anxiety, stress, worry, all those things, we would say, doesn't matter what it is, I've got to cut that out of my life. I've got to do whatever I can to, to get rid of us. That is my highest priority. And then I can trust that my creative brain will bring the right people, will bring the right circumstances to my life to make my life great and to make the lives of other people around me great as well. Because remember, surviving being your best to give you the greatest chance of survival also means giving the rest of the your community and your society the greatest chance of survival as well because when you're your best you're your most productive you're that's when you give the most to others as well as yourself so again this all comes from understanding if we think oh well, that can't be right it's a bit like but if you don't know what hydrochloric acid is and you don't know what it does to your body you might give it a go Right, yeah, absolutely, but, absolutely. Might, because everyone else is doing it. It doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the biology of how things work. And that's mm -hmm. how it works. Yeah, no, you, you put it very, very simply. When when put like that, I'm sure that a lot of people are like me, like, yeah, it's so simple, you know. And then we, for whatever reason, we choose to remain in situations that just generate that fear and that uneasiness. So, Liam, I always give an opportunity uh, to all my guests to... But, you know, I know you host two other podcasts, so you're a pro, you write books, you're sailing. What's exciting you these days? Is there any project, anything you want to share with the audience that's exciting you? Well, I'm working on my book at the moment, which is about all of this and how your brain really works and how to use it the right way. But, you know, one of the, the, the things about using your brain the right way, you mentioned mindfulness, a characteristic of really letting go and trusting which is the opposite of fear is that you are in the present you don't you know the bible said give no thought for tomorrow it didn't say sit down and write a goals list mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's what excites me now is trying to and I'm, i'm not saying i'm perfect but i i probably understand more than most because this is what i spend my, my time focusing on um is that when you use your brain the right way you let go of of, of any expectation of what you're going to be doing in the future. And you just know that the best thing is going, the best things are going to show up. And the things that have happened to me and other people who I've coached through, through understanding this have been completely unexpected, unbelievable, amazing. Some people would say, you know, luck or whatever. And when you get it to that point, you realize, well, it's pointless me trying to figure out what to do because the right thing's going to show up. Me trying to figure something out is my thinking brain. But if I let my creative brain do it, it's going to be far better and, and far, you know, far more than I can figure out, as it were. Mm -hmm. So what excites me now is learning more and 
in practicing using my brain this way and seeing what shows up in my life. And I'm also very excited sharing this, this information with other, with other people as well, because as you've pointed out, and I wish I'd known this, this is all actually quite simple stuff, isn't it? And very logical, makes a lot of sense, and we've never been told this before. But when we understand it, it makes such a dramatic difference to our life. It's, it's mind-blowing, if you forgive the pun. Absolutely. And contagious because I can hear, you know, like I'm sure like every word you say makes so much sense and it's, and you're contagious. You have a great energy and that's kind of my mission too. It's how do we live in my, in my own words, in that back to basic states. And so I, I always Mm -hmm. like, you know, I've had to walk away from big deals from my company, but just didn't align with what my back to basics is, what feels right within myself mm. and it's it's been very difficult like I, you know i've been very depressed that day i'm like am i crazy because i know maybe i'm operating from a different different dimension that others do and but you compete in that dimension when you're a business owner that's the dimension you're competing from and so then but then the only thing you have to do is to trust and and to go back to that trust to say this is all for the better and had i made that other decision it's just going to create anxiety, stress, fear, a misalignment with my true essence, and then I'm going to end up in the wrong place. But it takes it, it takes um, a lot of discipline, I guess, and a lot of trusting. <laughs> Developing the trust is, is, uh, takes effort. Well, you know, trust, what is trust? Trust comes from knowledge. Mm-hmm. I find my trust is a lot higher in the people I, I work with and help with this. When I understand something, you don't need to trust a car. You know, because you know that's how it works. So the more you know about how your brain works, you don't, ha- you don't actually get stress trusting at all because you go, that's just the way it works. Great. And you, you expect the right results because that's how the machine works. This is a machine. This isn't some, you know, idea that's dependent on, on various factors. This is exactly the, the way it works. And as it's explained in the Bible as well. This is a mechanical, predictable thing. It's as, as much a law of of nature as gravity is. You know, mm. for all your, you could you could walk out of a ten-story building. Doesn't matter how motivated you are, you're going to go down. So when you know the way your brain works, you can trust it because you you understand it. There's no faith, quote unquote, involved. You don't need to to try and force yourself to believe something. You just it just makes such logical sense. So that's the beauty of it. And, you know, when you're faced with the other thing that happens is when unexpected things happen in your life, instead of going, oh, I wish that had happened or you try and force something to happen, you always know that the best things are happening at the best times for you. And they will be. And even, at, you know, at, they might not give you the result you're expecting at the time, but in hindsight, you will always go, wow, that's great. That's amazing that happened. Me losing everything, I can look back and say that's the best thing that ever happened or one of the best things because that's why I'm, I've developed this knowledge and it's how I'm living my happy life and helping others mm-hmm. as well. Um, would never have happened if I, had, if I hadn't had that experience. So you never know. You're trying to, your, your fear-based and thinking brains are trying to say, is this the right decision and should I have, maybe I should have done it differently. But when you let your creative brain do it, you always make the right decisions. You always do the right things. And you're always excited about the future. And you and you love the present moment. That's the way we're supposed to live. And all you need to do to do that is just understand how the machine works. And that's the way you're going to use it. 
Mm. Well, all I can say, Liam, is I've loved this present moment and this conversation with you. I definitely will share on the show notes your page, your podcast, where you know you're coaching, and so that people can find you. And if you have left me, and I think my audience with a nugget of wisdom is you are designed to be successful. I think if we all, everybody listening out there, can focus on that and and have that as a, as a mantra, you know, every day, every morning, you know, I'm, you know, I'm designed to be successful. I think uh, it can take us a long way. So I thank you so much for your time and uh, for being part of back to basics. Thank you very much for having me. It's been uh, really pleasurable. Thanks a lot. Thank you. You've been listening to back to basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet subscribe Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit LeticiaLatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.